We at V2V Community Church believe in the authority of the Word of God. We teach and expound from the scriptures which forms the foundation of our faith. We pray that this message blesses you. Have you had a good day? Please be seated. You got a Bible with you? Okay. Um, I'm going to do a series on, I used to do this years ago, and I don't know why I've stopped, but I've started again. I'm going to do a series on slaying your Goliath. Everybody has giants in their life. Would you agree? I mean, there's always another giant to face, and what we've learned to do is take one thing at a time. A lot of people are trying to do everything in one go. We take one thing at a time, we conquer that one thing, then we move to the next one. So um, I want to share tonight with you, Slain Your Goliath, and it's called laziness. I mean, the Bible, the Bible has so much to say about the sluggard, the slothful, and the lazy that I could not even give you half the scriptures relating to it. Just a quick question, quick survey. Is there anyone here tonight that's lazy? <laughs> anyone lazy? Be honest. Uh, you, would you say you're a lazy person a lot? How many are motivated all the time? Not all the time. Okay. Now, there are different kinds of laziness. How many know you can work hard physically and be lazy spiritually? That's where I got you tonight, right? Because you think, I'm not lazy, I'm good. I do five jobs, six jobs. I, I get up at the crack of dawn. I go to bed, it's late at night. But there's, there's two types of laziness we're going to talk about, two kinds of slothfulness we're going to talk about tonight. And hopefully by tonight, we're going to change. Will you say amen? Turn with me to the first book of Samuel. Um, this is our foundational scripture for the next however long we'll be doing this. So we'll go there because everybody, I don't care who you are, and there are giants in all of our lives. Some of us, it's our past. Some of the things we experience as youth or as children and many of us, we live in a snapshot uh, of what took place in our lives, and we, we remain in that place of pain or woundedness or betrayal, and we can't seem to move on again. And for us, whatever you're facing in your life, it's a, it's a Goliath. Some it's addictions. Um, I, I hate being addicted to anything. How about you? At uh, 16 years old, I drank. I went to a party. I drank a, a glass of gin, whiskey, brandy, vodka, a tumbler, any, all the drinks you can imagine mixed into one. It knocked me out clean for 30 hours. From that day, I had no desire for any alcohol whatsoever. The only thing I drink now is maybe some sweet dessert wine. But apart from that, nothing else interests me in the realm of alcohol. I smoked at 14 years or 13 years old. I started smoking behind the bicycle shed. And it was great, you know, you're blowing smoke rings and you pull your collars up in the frosty mornings and feel like you're the real man. And then at 15 years, I left school to go to work while I was there. And that's why you got to be careful, those of you in college and uni, there are people assigned to feed you and addict you to stuff. And then when you've gone, when they've gone, you realize after that you're bound. And I got so bound by nicotine, it was only the grace of God that someone prayed for me and that thing left me. I smoked 60 cigarettes every day. I couldn't get enough of it. 
And you look at me now, you say, you couldn't have smoked. I'd smoke every day, 60 cigarettes. I wake up and I smoke. So for me, addictions is things I hate. And if you're addicted to anything, you've got to make sure, you've got to fight back. Don't just let it dominate you, whatever your giant is, okay? So, and here's where we become afraid. Many of us become afraid to tell, to tell anyone what we're going through. How I many you know when you keep it to yourself, you're much weaker? You see people come up and give testimonies openly about their lifestyle and what they used to do, where they used to be. And those are the people that will overcome. The quiet ones that keep it to themselves, anything you keep secret always dominates you. When you can be open and frank, then you'll find out that no, the, the devil can't play with you because there's other people around you that will stand with you. Okay? Now, anyone, anyone got secrets? Okay, 1 Samuel chapter 17. Verse 1 says, Now the Philistines gathered together their armies to battle and were gathered together in Sokoth, which belonged to Judah, and pitched between Sokoth and Aziah, Azekiah, and Espadam, Min, or that, something like that. And Saul and the men of Israel were gathered together and pitched by the valley of Elah and set the battle in array against the Philistines. The Philistines stood on the mountain on one side, and Israel stood on a mountain on the other side, and there was a valley between them. And there went out a champion out of the camp of the Philistines named Goliath of Gath, whose height was six cubits and a span. He had a helmet of brass upon his head, and he was armed with a coat of mail, and the weight of the coat was 5,000 shekels of brass. And he had greaves of brass upon his legs and a target of brass between his shoulders. And the staff of his spear was like a weaver's beam. His spearhead weighed 600 shekels of iron and one bearing a shield went before him. And he stood and cried unto the armies of Israel and said unto them, Why are you come out to set your battle in array? Am I not a Philistine and you servants stood Saul? Choose your man for you and let him come down and fight with me. If he be able to fight with me and to kill me, then we will be your servants. But if I prevail against him and kill him, then you shall be your servants and serve us. And the Philistines said, I defy the armies of Israel this day. Give me a man that we may fight together. And listen, when Saul and all Israel heard those words of the Philistine, they were dismayed and greatly afraid. What were they afraid of? What they could see in front of them. Why were they afraid? Because he seemed like a big man. How I many you know, we, they have a saying, in, I think it's Jamaica, the harder they come, the bigger they come, the harder they fall. And when you look at what you're facing today, in your own eyes, it may look big and huge to you. But in God's eyes, this was just the man. And your problems may look scary to you. How I many you know every new level you go to, the first devil you're going to meet is called what? It's just the way it is. Fear is designed to stop you. Whatever you're facing today is solvable. It is possible to defeat it and overcome it, not in your own power, not in your own might. I tried everything to stop smoking. It was a man named George who said, there's someone here bound by nicotine. I said, it's me. He laid his hands on me. And from that day till now, 30 odd years ago, I've never had the desire, never wanted to smoke. But that's in the power of God's might. And what many of us are doing, we're trying to solve our problems in our own strength. 
But when whatever your, your giant is, you've got to go to God. You know, honesty with God is really great. We go, we go and we pray like this, Lord, thou knowest. Well, yes, he knows, but we've, we've got to speak about what we're going through. When you go to God and say, Lord, I'm bound by this, I'm afraid of this, or I'm a lazy person. How many know God sees you already? But it's something about when we can confess it, it changes us. Now, when we go down, we look at, let's go to Proverbs chapter 6, and let's get into this, okay? In Proverbs chapter 6, we'll go from verse 6. <coughs> verse 6. It says, go to the ant, thou sluggard. Have you ever read this in the Bible? Have you ever done it? Huh? Have you ever read this in the Bible? Have you ever done this? Huh? The first time I read this, I went, we lived in a, a block of flats. I went downstairs, I saw an ant's little nest there, and I laid down on the floor for half an hour watching the ants do what they were doing. That's what he said to do, right? And I watched them, they were constantly moving. There was no leader, but all the ants were self-motivated. They were all preparing for whatever season was coming. Every one of them had food, they were working in unity, and the, whatever they were doing, they were building together. It's strange when a person uh, on this earth is a lazy person. And the Bible gives you many, many promises if you're, if you're lazy. And it also tells you the quickest way to be broke. Anyone in here would like to be broke? I'm going to give you some scripture. Follow it in a, in a month. You'll be finished. You have nothing left. Go to the ant, thou sluggard. Consider her ways and be wise. Gain knowledge from the ant, <clears throat> which having no guide... No overseer, no ruler, provides her meat in the summer and gathers her food in the harvest. Now, how long will you sleep? How many like sleep? Now, how many really, you love it? You, I mean, you, you, you got one of those fluffy duvets, you just get under there, and you're, you're gone. The earth could, could come to an end as long as it doesn't disturb your bedroom, you're good. How long will thou sleep, O sluggard? The word sluggard and sloth. Do you know what a slug is? A slug comes from the word sluggard. Sluggard comes from slug. Sloth. Do you know what sloth is? Have you seen it? It is like watching pain dry for him to just move from here to there. He's so slow and sluggish. And he is, it's because when you're, when you're sluggard, it means you're a lazy person. And it says here, how long will you sleep? How much sleep do we require as human beings? How much? How many say eight hours? Let me see your hand. How many say beyond? Six hours? How much do you sleep? How many goes to bed late and get up early? Because you have to, right, for work. How many get to work late? Hmm. I'll give you some scriptures on lateness as well. <laughs> it says, how long will you sleep, O sluggard? When will you arise out of your sleep? Now, there's a lot of people who sleep physically. But there's also a lot of people that sleep spiritually. You can be in church and still be asleep. You can live your whole Christian life and still be asleep and not realize all the things, the potentials that God had for you. One of the sleeps we can go into is where we're so distracted, we don't see the things of God anymore. And there are people like this physically 
and the people like this spiritually. He says, yet a little sleep, a little slumber, a little fold of the hands to sleep. You getting it? Does this relate to you? Yet a little sleep, a little slumber. Do you know, would you believe there's people that sleep 12 hours a day and more? Of course you do. Some of you do. <laughs> 12 hours a day and more. How much sleep do you, do, you, do, you, do you realize this? You have 24 hours in a day. So a third of your life, if you sleep eight hours, a third of your life is with your eyes shut. The other eight or 10 hours is work. Because you work eight hours a day, you've got to get to work and come back from work. Already, eight and 10 is 18 hours gone. That leaves you what? Six hours. You travel. Your time to eat, your bathroom breaks. How much life does that give you? Huh? So if you live to be uh, 90 years old, you'd have slept 90 years, 30 years of your life. You'd have worked at least 30 years of your life. 90, and you've not spent anything on yourself. So when you go to, to sleep, you've got to think about when, how many know when you're dead is enough time to rest. But when you're young and vibrant, you need to be up and going for life, enjoying your life. How I many know one of the blessings of God is to be able to enjoy the fruit of your labor? Now, he says this. I know, I know we have men today. There's, a, there's men today who are very different. And women. I've seen women who get married and the husband, poor husband, they're saving for a mortgage. And he comes home after a few months and she says, I have something to tell you. And he says, what? She says, you're going to be a father. And he, he knows there's bills to pay, and he doesn't want to argue, so he's like, oh, 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 oh praise God, hallelujah. His legs are shaking. He overcomes that one, and he thinks they're now back on track, another year and a half, and she says, I have something to tell you. Darling, you must know what you're doing. Brother, you must know what you're doing. You, you, you can't, a woman is not designed to just have children and stay home, not in this era. In this era, we need you working and the children grow as soon as they can and get to work as well. Because it's a tough time we're in, right? So as a man, men, we are supposed to be providers. A man is not supposed to live off a woman. Hello. A ma- Let me say it again. A man, male, M-A-L-E, man, born as a man, is not supposed to live off a woman. There is no such thing as a house husband. A man is not supposed to lay back and allow the wife to provide for him. My man, you've lost your manhood the day you allow your wife to be your provider. There's something, my wife used to earn double what I earned. I earned 10 pound a week and she earned 20 pound a week. Can you imagine? And we paid all the bills with that money. But I earned, she was working in central London, and she was earning 20 pounds a week. I was earning 10 pounds a week. And being young, stupid, and egotistic, I would argue with her because my ego was dented because she was earning double what I was earning. I had no wisdom. Now, if she earns 10 times what I earn, I'd say, God bless you. Here's my bank account. Help me out. But we get... There's, there's men today that are happy to, for a woman to go out with them and let the woman pay for the meal. You need psychiatric help. 
There is no man on this earth that should have allow a woman to pay for you or work for you or provide for you. That's insanity. Man, are you, man, help me out. Because I'm saying you're not, you're not like that. It must be those that come out tonight. It must be those on the live stream. You're not like that, man. There's something we call, 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 it, call the things that be not as though they are. Amen. So watch this. He says, so when you sleep a lot, he says, so your poverty shall come as one that travels and you want as an armed man. Someone's going to rob you. And if we decide that we don't want to work or we're lazy, um, there are so many ways we could be lazy. But, you know, like for, for me, one of my greatest passions is to be a provider. If, if, if I have the inability to provide, it affects my, my, my mental state. Because as a man, I just want to provide to see, to be able to give my children, to be able to give my family. I worked, I started work at 12 years old. What time did you start? Or have you not started yet? I started at 12 years old. At 12 years old, I'll do a paper round. I got one pound 20 a week for my paper round. I got half a crown pocket money. That was 12 and a half pence pocket money. I got one and six, which was seven and a half pence every day for dinner money. I never ate food at the school. I never spent my pocket money. I put all my money, I lifted my carpet, and underneath my carpet, my room was 12 foot by 12 foot. The whole floor under my carpet was covered with coins. At 12 years old, when I wanted a bike, I went to my, my, my little savings. I picked up 12 pounds 50 in cash. I gave it to my father, and I bought my first bike by myself. When anything I've ever wanted, when I wanted a car... I went to my father because he helped my brother get a car without a deposit. I had the deposit, and I said, would you help me? He says, no, I don't like cars. That, at the time, seemed like a hard thing. But what it did, it made me not rely or depend on anybody to pay my bills. And you've got to get to that place where what you're going through now, like my wife told you earlier, it might be tough, but it's you're in training for something else. And what I learned with this was I learned to work from a child. I'd get up every morning, do my paper round. When, when any jobs were to be done, we would do the jobs. We would do everything. We'll, you know, do you know what scrumping is? You don't you have scrumped? It's when you climb over someone's fence, steal their fruit, and sell it. You never done that? Okay, let me move on in case anyone's. But he says this. If you want to be, if you want to be poor, sleep a lot. If you want to be poor, close your eyes, go to sleep. And when the sluggard and the, uh, the, the, the sluggard and that lazy person with that same mindset, when you have that, unless you change it, you're going to be poor your life. Every young man in here, you know, every single people, you shouldn't be broke. There's not one single person in there should be broke. If you're single, you should have money on you. Show me your money. No, no, I'm joking with you. If you're single, how can you be single and broke? You're working, you're single, and you're broke. Then you've got married couples with two or three children, private school, nursery, mortgage, cars, petrol, council tax, tax, income tax, and they still have money. 
How can a single person be broke? Laziness. Bad management. You know what the laziness is? Not taking the time to learn how to handle your finances. Are you here? Proverbs 20 verse 4. We're going to be in Proverbs a lot. Do you read the book of Proverbs? That's why it's called the book of wisdom. <laughs> Proverbs 20 verse 4 says, The sluggard will not plow by reason of the cold. <clears throat> the sluggard will not plow by reason of the cold. In other words, today's interpretation, you're full of excuses. Why can't you get a job? I'm black. Why can't I get a job? You know, I, I used to have this... I, you, you don't, you, I'm, I'm 42% African, 42% English, so I'm everything to everybody, so I can talk about any race, I'm fit into them. But I remember leaving school, and I see the young black guys with their washcloth, not handkerchief, washcloth. I don't think I have a washcloth up here. It's a washcloth, and they are walking around with their hair and mustache in every direction and beard in every direction, they have a washcloth hanging out of their back pocket and they bop. You know what bop is? You understand what bop is? And they bop like this. You go for a job interview like that. One. And you know, it's not your color of your skin, it's your appearance that they're going to see first. Because when you go for a job interview, you go like respectable. You shave, if you, you shave, you put on some cologne, you do your armpits, you, you smell nice, you dress well, and you go with confidence. But a lot of people are using excuses why they can't achieve in life. I, I don't have any education. Many wealthy people are uneducated people. It is not about what you can do. It's about how close you get to God. Because when you get close to God, God can give you favor that money can't buy. There's a lot of educated people that are broke. There's a lot of educated people with no wisdom. There's a lot of educated people whose marriages are breaking down. So if you get close to God, and this is the other side, when we talk about the spiritual side, it says the sluggard will not plow by reason of the cold. Why do you not read your Bible when the Bible tells you to show, study to show yourself approved unto God? Many things we're going through, it's because we're not diligent enough to pursue God for the answers. And we are lazy. We are lazy people because we want to come to church. We want someone to tell us everything to do. We listen, but then we go out. We don't apply any of it. We don't plow. We don't sow. We don't do anything to bring us closer to God. It's laziness. How many know God says when we search for him with all our heart, what we're going to do? We're going to do what? We're going to find him. So have you found him yet? That's the question. <laughs> have you found him? But if you haven't found him, it means we're not looking. When we search for him with all of our heart, we will find him. He says, <coughs> he says, the sluggard will not plow by reason of the cold. Therefore shall he beg in harvest and have nothing. How would you like to end up like that? Nothing. Proverbs 26. These are scriptures I read in a very early part of my Christianity. Um, I've, uh, is anyone shy of work? How many married men here? How many married men? 
How many married men has ever done two or three jobs? Still do, right? We, 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 as a man, I've always, I've worked, I've, I've worked in the office. I've gone on a Friday night, um, do mini cabin. I'd work from 6 p.m. on a Friday evening, sleep in the car when it went quiet, <coughs> which is about 3 till about 4, 5 o'clock. Then I'd finish work at 12 noon the Saturday, and I'd go home, sleep until 5 o'clock, go back again on a, on a Saturday evening, cab again from 6 p.m. until 3 a.m., go home, get some sleep, be the first one in church to open the church and make sure everything was okay. I did that for two years. Our goal was we wanted a house. We were saving to get a mortgage for a house, and my wife went to work, and we, I went to work. We'd done everything we knew. We, neither of us a lazy person. In fact, was it not last night, the night before, she was, she was up till 3 o'clock working, preparing stuff for Bible school. We cannot be lazy people. Can you say amen? amen. And let me tell you, there's experiences with God waiting for you. If you will get out your slumber, awake from your slumber, and... Put down the life you think you have and begin to take up the cross of Jesus Christ and begin to follow him. Your life will change. Can you say amen? Now, verse, uh, what did I say? Proverbs 26. <coughs> verse 13 says, the slothful, the slothful man says, there's a line in the way, a line is in the streets. Is there one? Hmm? He, it didn't mean there's one. He says there's a line. What is he doing? He's full of excuses. I can't get married because I don't have no money. You don't need money to get married. You just need a wife. Isn't that what you, isn't that what you need? You, 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 you're like, I want this big wedding. Well, in the meantime, where are you going to live? Show me the entrance, the doorway to the ring that costs you 15 grand or 20 grand. Where are you going to live? The most important thing is, that, listen, when you get married, the reason you get married, number one, it's the will of God. Number two, we get married because we want to be together, not for social media. We want to be together. The places we go, we, we, we could post all the time. No one knows where we go except God and the devil. No one else needs to know. And we do all this social media. If you're young, how, how do you do it, man? How do you do it? Tell me, please. You, all the, the, someone came in the other day and go, wow, so many pretty girls in this church. And you are. Say you are. Yeah. Say we are. Yeah, Sonia said it louder than all of you. So, you're, you're attractive women, right? Of course you are. You've got to see yourself that way because as, as a man thinks in his heart, the way you behave. So I, I, I don't understand how I got, I, at 12 years old, I made up my mind I was going to get married. At 12, I knew I wanted a family. All I was waiting for was to be 18 because I knew my parents wouldn't agree with it. I, I, as soon as I was 18, I'd met different girls. No, tick, no, 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 no. You're troublemaker. No, get out, the, get out of my life. Not you, not you. And then I met her and I was like, oh my God, this is the one. Straight away, the plan went in. Get married. 18 years old. Couldn't, I had to sell my Ford Capri 1600 GT to pay for my wedding. My sports car. I had my sports car from, I was driving from 15. At 17, I had my sports car. What are you driving, bro? I said, 17, working every hour there was. 
it's normal now to take up responsibility and begin to look for the future. Some of you men, I feel sorry. You're going to be going on Zimmer frames taking your first child to, to nursery. Are you, the, are you the granddad? No, no, I'm the dad. What happened to you? I fell asleep half my life. I just woke up. What a wake up. Can I say amen? My God, I'm, my, at 30 years old, our family was done. At 30 years old, we're traveling. We're doing nice things together. No children allowed. Grandchildren, well, tomorrow we're taking them out for the day, taking for a train ride three hours away, but we're taking them out. But we bring them back and hand them back again. So he says, the slothful man says, there's a line in the way. There's a line in the street. Excuses, excuses. As the door turns upon its hinges, so does the slothful upon his bed, like hinges. And you go back to sleep. The slothful man hides his hands in his bosom. Look at this. This is, this is the same thing we do spiritually. The slothful man, imagine food is in front of you. Can you imagine being too lazy to eat? He's so lazy, he keeps his hand in his bosom rather than put it down and take up his food. What's the same thing spiritually? Some of us are too lazy to pick it up and open it and read it. Even though the answer of life is in here. We're too lazy. We're too distracted. We're too lazy. It's right here. The, the answers to life is right here. Right here. We're too lazy. We've got our hand like this. Can you imagine your husband hungry and you do dinner and he's, he's got his hand like this and keeps looking at the food? Huh? He's looking at food and, and looking at food and the, 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 he's too lazy to take his hand out and pick up a fork and eat. That's extreme. But it's just the same here where you're in trouble. You desperately need help. And this book has the answer. Your hand is in your bosom and you're too lazy to reach down and pick it up and read it and apply it. It's slothfulness. Are you here? <laughs> Isn't that crazy? The slothful man hides his hands in his bosom. It grieves him. It grieves him to bring it again to his mouth. You're so lazy you don't even know you're hungry. He hides his hand in his bosom. It grieves him to bring it out again to his mouth. The sluggard is wiser in his own conceit than seven men that can render reason. In other words, the sluggard is unteachable. I don't even know if I should be preaching this tonight. Because if you're a sluggard, you can't hear me. You're too lazy to lend your ear. You'll be like, like the sloth goes. The sloth's about to listen to something. By the time you get there, we're all done and gone home. <laughs> Could you imagine? Could you imagine being too lazy to listen? That's unbelievable. Because you're hearing things that could change your life, and you're like, your, your mind is slowed so slowly. This is inside your mind. Not yet. No. And your procrastination is brother to slothfulness. It's always 
put it off till tomorrow. Not today, let's do it tomorrow. I like to close my day complete. Should be more amen than that, because yours should be the same, right? So let me give you another scripture. First of all, how is your spiritual life? How is it? How, how is it? No, you've got to be honest with God and you say, God, this is who I am. Really, we know we come to church, but how many of you, there's more to Christianity than coming to church? <coughs> coming to church is great. I love church. We do all of this stuff. I love it. I love being in the company. I love the worship. I love the whole environment, the, the presence of God. I love it. But you know, coming to church doesn't necessarily grow me. I can hear, I can hear, I watched a guy the other day. He was so big. He weighed 700 pounds. I, I like watching those kind of videos. And he got onto, again, the Power of Association. He got onto a website where people encourage people to lose weight. And he, he hadn't washed himself for one year because he couldn't fit into a shower. Can you imagine 700 pounds? I, I mean, I can't imagine how wide that is. It's a wide load, whichever it is. But you, he couldn't get into the shower, so he couldn't wash himself. And then someone contacted him on the, on the tread. <coughs> they sent him a child's pool. So he went out in the garden, cold water. He's so relieved he could actually wash himself. And then they started telling him to exercise. And he, he couldn't walk. He couldn't stand up. So he started, they said, flop. Have you ever flopped? You never flopped? He couldn't, he, he couldn't exercise, but they said to him, flop. So they, he's at seven, 700 pounds, a lot to flop. So he just started doing this. And he's flopping his, and his skin is moving. And he's, and he's flopping, but he's exercising. Start somewhere. He got up from where he was. Now, he, he couldn't walk. Then he got up, he walked. He'd done three laps to the kitchen. That's from his, from his chair, it's five steps. Back to the chair. Five times, then collapsed in the chair. Flop again, flop again. Then he began to lose weight, change his diet. See, you're not going to change unless you change something. They said when you keep doing the same thing and expecting results, you're bordering on insanity. If you're doing the same thing over and over and expect change when nothing changes, you're bordering on insanity. And this man, they now call him the shrinking man. He, so many people were encouraging him. He's in the gym now. He, they, every time he goes in the gym, they tell he weighs, I think, a hundred and something pounds now. Why? Because he had a paradigm shift. And he said now he's buying cologne. He's able to shave himself. He, he, all the things he couldn't do, he now values it. He's going to the gym. The guy's a bodybuilder now. Simply because, how did he get there? He said, I just started playing with computers and I'd play games on a computer. Then I isolated myself. First thing the devil wants to do is isolate you. If he isolates you, he's got you. Watch wildlife. Any, any wildlife. They'll pick the weak one out of the herd. They isolate them. The herd moves on. You're dead meat. And what he did, he isolated himself. He would begin on the computer, playing computer games, eating fast foods, eating fast foods. And then he, he says he, he noticed he's getting bigger, but then it made him stay indoors more because he became a bit ashamed of himself. And it just got bigger. And he said, no, no, how he got to 700 pounds. But he did not stay where he was. 
And many of us, this, that for him was a colossal giant that he had to take on. Can you imagine? Trying to, I'm trying to lose eight, eight kilos. He's going to lose like 600. And he's just, he done it. But something changed in him. And if we remain as we are, don't complain about the results. Can you say amen? amen. Did I finish that? Okay. So when you people are trying to help you, it says the sluggard is wiser in his own conceit than seven men that can render a reason. Now, when you're, so, when you're so caught up in yourself that you're unteachable, one of the worst things, one of the worst things can ever happen to you is you become unteachable. When you are the only one, the only voice you hear is yours, you are in major, major trouble. The Bible says there's safety in the multitude of counselors. And if you're the only voice speaking into your life, you're in a lot of trouble. When you get married, ask counsel. When you have children, ask someone that knows more than you. My life has been built on gleaning from other people that know more than me. I, I listen to, to people and still do today, like Kenneth Hagen Sr., all those guys, Fred Price, and all those old guys that have so much wisdom and even though Kenneth Hagin has gone on to be with the Lord, his tapes are still available. I can still listen or read his books. We need to humble ourselves and admit to ourselves, I don't know everything. Amen. There's others that know more than me. And even when you have a child, I see people with children, you have no clue about raising a child. You're walking around bouncing a child all day long. You're creating a rod for your back. At that age, that child should be beginning to be taught. We had our children, and not me, but she did. They were all went to sleep. Uh, they all had nappies within a year. At six weeks, they're all sleeping through the night, 12 hours sleep. And I watched some of your children can't sleep for five minutes. Uh, you know, in the, what you all do, you make the room so silent. If a pin drops, the child wakes up. With us, you put music on, you put preaching on, that no matter who comes in the room, the child is not moved because they're used to noise how to train a child, how to discipline a child. You have no clue, but you're not asking any questions. I watched we do the marriage seminar. Some of you never even showed up, but you just got married. But then how are you going to make your marriage? Because you think, I'm married now. We're doing all we've got, we want to do. We've got it going on. But you know what? The day isn't the journey. The day is just the day. There's a lot more to learn than just saying, I'm wearing a ring, I'm married. Because after a while, that ring can become a noose around your neck. If you get in the wrong relationship and get walking, work, walking your way through relationships, is, there's skills to it and you need to get wisdom. Amen. Now, go with me again to um, where did I go to, go to Proverbs. Proverbs 24. Did I go to Proverbs 24? Proverbs 24. Verse 30. This is also. <laughs> a reflection on our life. It says, I went by the field of the slothful and by the vineyard of the man void of understanding. That's an important word. By the field of the man who's void of understanding. And he says, And lo, it was all grown over with thorns, and nettles had covered the face thereof, and the stone wall thereof was broken down. He went by the field and he looked at it and the field was abandoned. It was not taken care of. How many know our lives are a reflection? How is your life? 
Is it overgrown with cares, with problems, with unforgiveness, with compromise? How is your field? If God looks into our field, what does our field look like? Our spiritual life is supposed to be every day we check our hearts. How I many the Bible says the heart of man is desperately wicked? And that means I've got to check my heart on a daily basis. If I don't check my heart, it means what can happen to me is I can have things that I go through or offenses or arguments or strifes that I've not dealt with. And how I many know when the Bible tells us we should break up the fallow ground, how I many know that's your heart? When we're, we're supposed to break up our fallow ground, what has happened to you in the last 10 years that some of it you never dealt with? Think about it. Who have you fallen out with? Who have you argued with? What, what, what offenses have you accumulated over the last 10 years? What have you been through that maybe still be in your heart? How many know what fallow ground is? They leave the fallow ground there and eventually they're going to dig up the fallow ground. But when you, when you start digging up that fallow ground, you might find empty bottles or broken glass or stones or rocks or rubbish in that fallow ground. We are supposed to break up, Hosea 10 tells us that we're supposed to break up the fallow ground. We are supposed to check our hearts on a regular basis. Hello? Amen. Your mother, your father offended you when you were young. Is that still in you? Siblings affected you, uh, uh, impacted you. Is that still in you? Your job, your boss, a boyfriend, a girlfriend broke your heart. Is that still in you? We are supposed to break up our fallow ground and examine our hearts on a regular basis. So if anything happens to us, we're not now trying to repent. Because we don't always get time to repent when you die. Are you here? He says that... It was grown over with thorns and nettles and covered the face thereof, and the stone wall thereof was broken down. Then I saw and considered and said, it is considered it well. I looked upon it and I received instruction. <coughs> we are supposed to learn from other people's mistakes. When I see a lazy person, it makes me want to work harder. When I see someone that's lazy, it's, it's almost like it's ungodly. When you see a lazy person, when you see a man or a woman that wants the nice things in life, but without working for it, that's irritating. Every man should have what, him, what they call self-esteem. Where, it, you know, if I'm married, I, we're, we've been married now for 44 years. And if occasionally I forgot my wallet in the car or at home, uh, and I, you, oh my gosh, I don't have no money. But she's always got money in her purse. So I said, I'll give you the money when I get home. And she, don't pass over the table. Do not put it on the table. She has to pass it under the table. And I take it quietly. And as soon as I get home, I give it back to her. She, it, I, it, I don't, you know, the Bible says we should shun the very appearance of evil. And I don't want it to look like she's paying for my dinner. Because you know what? We have self-esteem. And ladies, any man that takes you to dinner, not just make you pay, even if he says 50-50, say, excuse me, I just need the bathroom. <laughs> Take your handbag, make sure you leave your coat near the door. Don't even go back in the room. Don't even call. Send a text, says, deleted. Can you say amen? Says, yet a little, he says this, 
Then I saw and considered well. I looked upon it and received instruction. Yet a little sleep, a little slumber, a little fold in the hands to sleep. Again, he says, so shall your poverty come as one that traveleth and want, the arm, uh, want as an armed man. In, in, let me close up now in Proverbs 12, 27. So many scriptures on this. Proverbs 12, 27 says, The slothful man, Proverbs 12, 27, The slothful man roasteth not that which he took in hunting. Can you believe that? Huh? C can you believe that? The, the slothful man kills an animal for dinner and he looks at it, <coughs> but he wouldn't cook it. Yet, and you watch this, he says, what belongs to a diligent man is precious to him. It says it here. He says, the slothful man roasts not that which he took in hunting, but the substance of a diligent man is precious to him. Have you ever noticed the people who get things easy place no value on it? Have you noticed the things you work hard for, you keep? I, I've, I've always looked at, from a child... I've looked after everything I've ever had, toys, anything. And I had what we call, a f I had a flashy flicker. It's a gun with uh, cartoon reels, and you pull the trigger, and it showed the cartoons, Mickey Mouse and all that on the ceiling. I had a tank my father bought me, and I'd put the tank outside, and I'll put caps in it, or fire. And then at the end of the day, when I played with it, I'd take my tank, I'll clean it down, wipe it, same as I do with my car now, no different. I'll wipe it down, I'll put it back in the box, I'll put the projector back, fold up the films in a tube, put it back down, and I gave it when I was 16 years old to one of my cousins. In one day, he destroyed everything. Because for him, he never, it came too easy for him. And many of us, that's why when you, when you don't work for something, you don't value it. That's why you put chewing gum under the chairs. That's why you leave bottles on the floor. Because you weren't here when we had to work for this. You weren't here when we were here tearing chairs and tables out of here. And women carrying seven and a half tons of chairs into the alleyway. Women as well. So when we look at it, if we see a piece of paper, we want to pick it up. But when you get things too easy, it, you have no value on it. And when you don't work for it, let me tell you, when you work hard for something... You, you know this is precious to you. If you ever got a new car and you got to work and pay for that car, you treat that car differently. If someone else is paying for it, you treat it differently. If you got it, someone gave it to you, you treat it differently. But when you know how to value things, it's when you learn to work for it. When you labor for something like your first shoes or your first car, whatever, when you work for it, you place a different value on it to the person who got it free or cheap or easy. Can I say amen? Let me close with this in Matthew 25. Uh, let me just give you one more in, in Proverbs 12 there before you go over. In verse 24 it says, <coughs> The hand of the diligent shall bear rule, but a slothful man shall be under tribute. The hand of the diligent. Business people, if you're not diligent, you're not going to prosper. I see so many of you come up here, say you're in business. I don't know what kind of business you're in. It must be other people's. Because I don't see anything that says that people in this church are business people. 
Because when you're a business, there's a few of you, but there's, when you're a business person, you are the most diligent. The slothful person is always late. You know one of the greatest signs of a lazy person is when they don't place any value on time. How many know time is something, boy, you can't recapture? No matter how much you try. And if you don't know the value of time, so when I've got a meeting, I don't care. If church begins at 7.30, I don't want to get through the door at 7.30. I want to be there before. Wherever I'm going, wherever we go, if we go into London, if we go to dinner, wherever we go, I said, my wife, come on, we're going to leave now. She says, but it's an hour and a half. I'd rather be an hour early than one minute late. I hate late. And if you don't know how to value time, it means you're a slothful person. You don't understand. One day, every minute, you know, We've been here from 7.30. That's hour and something, hour and a half gone from our life. We ain't getting that back again. We're, we're, we're an hour and a half closer to death. Does that make you happy? But you must value. That's why you spend your time arguing. You don't have that kind of time. Your husband and wife, you're not talking to each other. You don't have that kind of time. Some of you are not talking to your mother, your father. Then all of a sudden you hear your mom or dad's passed away. And you're like, oh, mom, I love you so much. You're talking to a box. Tell them now while they can hear you. Tell them now. Go make your peace with them now. Don't wait till they die and you run around, oh, I love my mom, my mom. And then all of a sudden you've got these good things to say about your mother, good things about your father. Tell them now while they can hear you. Amen. Don't wait till they're in a box. And I, so many times I watch people talk into the box. The person in there cannot hear you. Oh, mom, you're such a wonderful mother. I love you. I remember. She can't remember you. She's gone. Up or down, she's gone. Tell them now. Husband and wife, even if you broke up, make peace. If someone broke your heart, forgive them. Move on. Stop living in the past where you can't move into your future. Can you say amen? Let me close with Matthew chapter 25. Talking about your gifts, and I won't stay long on this because um, it could be a long, long thing if you go through it. But from verse 14 of Matthew 25, we see here. But I say Matthew 25? Oh, wrong, I'm wrong side. Okay. <coughs> it says, For the kingdom, verse 14 says, For the kingdom of heaven is as a man traveling into a far country, who called his own servants and delivered unto them his goods. Unto one he gave five talents, to another two talents, to another one talent, to every man according to several ability, and straight away took his journey. How many, every one of you in here, every one of us in here, has something God has given to us? Everyone has something that God has given to us. We all do. There's a gift you bring to the body of Christ. Whether you know it or not, whether you want to do it or not, there's a gift that God has given you to bring into the body of Christ. He says, and unto what he goes down in verse 16 says, Then he that had received five talents went and traded with the same and made them another five talents. Likewise, he that had to receive two <coughs> also gained another two. But he that received one went and digged it in the earth and hid his Lord's money. Why? You're lazy. Do you know, this Bible, we are supposed to reproduce ourselves in other people. This, whatever your gift is, if you play the drums, you're supposed to have other drummers trained. If you, if you sing, you should have other singers trained. We see many singers up here on, on a Sunday, on a Wednesday. Whatever your gifting is, if you play the piano, you should be training. 
You don't keep it to yourself. When we die, we should, not go, we should not go full. We should go empty. Because we took the time. Mothers, you're supposed to train your daughters. Teach them everything you know. But if the daughters don't want to learn, then it's up to the daughters. The son, the father should be teaching the sons. Teach them how to be men. When Dominic was a baby, three years old, less than that, <coughs> we're in a lift. And, I'd, you know, he goes like, naturally, he goes to walk out the lift. I hooked my finger in his neck. I said, ladies first. And then after a while, a couple of times he got that. And then he just waits for the ladies. Today, you cannot get, you women, you cannot walk in front of him. He will not let you, he will make, you cannot, he will not walk in front of you. He'll always let you go first. I teach him to open the car door. He, he done it for his mum. He wouldn't do it for his sisters, uh, but he did it for his mum. He'd always open the car door for his mum. You know, he's going to open the door. For, he has to do that. I'd give him my credit card or debit card. I'd say, 14 years old, take your mum to dinner so you understand what it is to treat a lady like a lady. Um, I would make sure he dressed properly. And like uh, most boys uh, between 12 and sort of 13, 14, I mean, you have to fight them to, to wash themselves and use the three ingredients, soap, deodorant, and uh, water. Um, but all those things, now he's always got cologne on. He treats his wife like a lady. She, she's blown away with him because he treats her like a lady. That was training. We are supposed to pass on us into someone else. We're not supposed to die, and whatever we've done, it's finished. We're supposed to, the gift that God has put in us, we are supposed to take it and put it into other people. If I die now, this church will not finish because I'm not here. There's enough people in here can do what I do. Amen? And that's what we're supposed to do with our gifting. And you know why we don't do it? Because selfishness and laziness. Because for me to take someone and teach them that keyboard, it means commitment. It means I've got to spend time with you. Like when I did this in my, in my household, every person in our household has to drive. Did I want to do it? I remember taking Danny and Sarah to drive. And they, I put them in a driving school first. So if there's going to cr any crashes, it'll be the instructor's car. And, and then I put them, I bought them a little car. And they're driving, and they're like six inches from the curb. And you're, no, 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 come out from the curb, come out from the curb. And, and then they all pass their test. But at the, tr the learning, me teaching them, was not easy. Because your heart, boom, boom. Oh, my God, oh, no, is this the last day? Because there's so many close calls they have. And then they get their license. Then I, I don't stop there. Because I know driving, when you pass your test, no one does this. Show me if you does do this. Vroom, 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 vroom. Do you do that? Do you do that? That's not real. That's what they want us to do, right? So when they did that part, now I take them out and I put them on the motorway. And because I know driving on the roads here is different to the motorway. So I put them on the motorway. We're, in the, we're behind them. The first time I see change lane, they just went right across. They didn't look at what's coming up. So then we have to say, no, no, we block them off and they go across gradually. And now they all drive. So the thing is, we are supposed to, and many of them will tell you now, they drive better than me. We can all dream. But the thing is, now I have, I have put so much of what I am into other people that what, that's what we're supposed to do. You may not be preachers, but many of you now have learned to pursue God for yourself. 
Daniel 11.32, the people that shall be and do exploits, right? I've taught you that. So now it's not you running to me, you're running to God. That's why I sit here every Sunday, every Wednesday. Very few people come up. They come and have a little chit, chit, chat. <clears throat> There's no problems. You can sort your own problems out. Why? Because you know God for yourself. Amen? So what we're going to have tonight is a paradigm shift. We're, you may not be lazy physically, but you may be lazy spiritually. And if you're lazy spiritually, that's as bad as being lazy physically. Because you have a Bible, you have tapes, you have access to the Word of God, and we have to make a decision that we're going to do it. You have to start reading. You have to start reading. I told you, buy the book, Pilgrim's Progress. I don't know how many of you have done it. Read that book. Read, read Smith Rugglesworth, Apostle of Faith. Read that book. There's so many books out there you can read and grow yourself. Can you say amen? But you know why we don't? <laughs> We're lazy. We're slothful. Because it takes commitment to put your phone down, <coughs> turn off the TV, and sit there and read a book. It's actually a good habit to develop. If I show you the books we've got through, it's unbelievable. We would read and read and read and read and read and read. Now, my eyesight, you know, it hurts my eyes a little bit. When I read, it starts going blurry if I read too long. But, okay. But it's, I like to listen. I hear as well. Because how many of your ears are also gateways to your spirit? Amen. Amen. Stand to your feet with me tonight. Thank you for listening to this message. If you'd like more information on the church, please visit us at v2vcommunitychurch.com or you can contact us at v2vchurch at aol.co.uk. God bless you.